Today on Movie Wallace, we talk about Beast, 3,000 Years of Longing, and Honk for Jesus, Save Your Soul. It's time for Movie Wireless. Hi, this is Joe. Hi, it's Rashmi. And yes, you as well. Movie Wireless is your weekly dose of film reviews, movie news, and general banter in theatres, on DVD, online streaming, or in the back of an airplane. If you love the movies, this show is for you. Hello, fellow Wallers. Hello. Greetings. This is a rather sweaty episode. It is hot and sweaty, yes. Rashmi and I have just been playing pickleball. I know we talked about this the other, the other so it's not going to be... Like two podcasts ago. I know, it's not going to be the pickleball Episode. banter, but I am really, really rather sweaty. Okay, well, I'm glad I can't smell you. Uh, you're really, you, you should be too. I'm, I'm feeling pretty funky at the moment. I'm, yeah. I'm looking forward to my shower. escaped again. Listeners, Yasni escaped again. Let's do some public shaming <laughs> yeah. here. Yeah, we need to publicly shame you into joining us for pickleball. That's how they made people join the Third Reich. <laughs> <laughs> it's a similar kind of obsession too i think the the, the, the passion oh, that yes, rashmi has with her pickleball oh that yes, went dark way. oh that yes went dark yes, way yes, yes yes i know this you, is where i need to i could i could segue right into the first review by saying you beast <laughs> we are well, on let's a, do that i was gonna say we are on yes. a little bit of a time crunch today because uh rashmi is threading the needle with appointments and things that she needs to get done so um let's 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 get right down to business. Sorry, no banter this week. Um, don't know whether you... That's... Well, we'll banter through our reviews. Yes, let's do that. So, yes. launch, three, two, one. Let's go with Beast. Yep, um, this could have almost been an Idris Alba special, but um, Honk for Jesus Save Your Soul broke that uh, idea. <laughs> okay, so Beast. I'm going to give you the IMDB intro, which is a father and his two teenage daughters find themselves hunted by a massive rogue lion, intent on proving that the Savannah has but one apex predator. Um, so this is... Um, Directed by Balthazar Cormacour, and it's written by Ryan Engel and Jamie Primax Sullivan, and it stars Idris Elba, Shalter Copley, who we haven't seen in such a long time, and I was so happy to see him on the screen, Ayana Halley and Leah Jeffries, amongst a whole host of others, and the the tagline for this is, don't mess with a lion. Um, and we know that because we have a little cat who is a little lion cub. Um, so who wants to start us off? Should we go with Joe? Why don't you start us off this week? Oh, good grief. Okay. Uh, what did you think of Beast? Um, so it's basically Jaws um, with a lion. Uh, we have, you know, and the, this kind of formula has been done over and over and over again. <laughs> but uh, it's very effective. This movie had... it had the right amount of tension, the right amount of jump scares. Um, it kind of telegraphed its intentions. And uh, even though I didn't quite pick up on, on the, the overall, how this would end, I think like, I spoke to a couple of other critics who were like, yeah, I saw that ending a mile away. So um, that, with that said, I, I really enjoyed it. It, it it's, it's, I think if you look at the trailer, a lion goes on the rampage, killing people. Um, Idris El was in there. There is a moment of man versus lion in the trailer that's exactly what this is and it was fun okay yazdi 
Yeah, it's a mixed bag. Um, I think it's, uh, for what it wants to be, it's remarkably effective, just like you said, Joe. Uh, it, it joins the pantheon of any number of movies about man versus some big adversity, right? It's a survivalist story. Um, I think it, it's the kind of movie you watch with your friends after you've had a few glasses of wine or a few beers or if it, you're tired on a you know, whatever Friday evening and you just want to turn your brain off. I think it's a perfect movie for that. I think this movie is probably would probably be better um, seen on the big screen because you can kind of react with everybody else. Um, so this particular director, Balthazar Kormukar, like a few others in his cohort, is very, very good at evoking tension. I have to admit that, you know, I'm... You know, I, I'm a wince, but I I kind of closed my eyes several times during the movie because I didn't want to deal with uh, what was going to happen <laughs> next on the screen. So that, that's, that's some measure of, you know, being able to generate that verisimilitude, especially considering that all of the lines, I believe, in this movie, or at least the majority of them, including the nasty one, is CGI. So for us to believe and be genuinely scared is quite an achievement. Having said that, the movie has its problems. It's so, so, so contrived. And the <laughs> script and the dialogue is so, so, so bad. But again, uh, it wants to do one thing and it does it and gets you to the finish line. I didn't like this movie. <laughs> I, um, I thought it was a bit dull. And I think saying it's like Jaws with a Lion is almost giving it too much um, too much heft i don't think it's as clever um or as smart i don't think the lion is as clever or as smart as jaws is and so it just feels very single note to me um i called it squishy the movie like you know how our cat plays with a toy um i thought there was going to be more of that that i would you know i'm a cat lover so i thought it would kind of evoke torment more the, yeah you, you were the expecting torment. it to, to yeah, torment. Yeah, the, I wanted a bit more of the game playing that cats are so good at um, and the smartness and it didn't have that. And more than anything, um, I found the kids really annoying. I couldn't wait for them to be eaten. So <laughs> I, I feel like it, it was a bit, bit of a waste of time. I mean, look, it's efficient and it does what it does very quickly. It's running time is one hour, 33 minutes. Um, but I just found it really dull and I couldn't, understand the point of it if it was about conservation and you know the effect that man's having on the environment well it didn't really come through i mean there was a bit of the poaching and that's why this lion is so angry but it just didn't work for me it was a monster movie there, there, there was no yeah, fight art here it, yeah it's uh, a b movie it's a b movie through and through it yeah. just that's all it wants to be it just wants to give you some cheap thrills i don't think that there's any message Sure, then it yeah. does what it says on the box, but it just <laughs> and, wasn't so entertaining for me either. Well, yeah, you're right. I mean, they, they missed a lot of opportunities here to, to say a lot of the things about a lot of the things that you just mentioned there. And I think you're right. This is not an intelligent lion that is um, outsmarting them at every point. This is this is an angry, rageful, vengeful uh, lion that, you know, it, its only semblance of intelligence is that it, it has this this very um, direct vengeance motive, right? It's trying to get back at man for um, what it, what, what has been done to it. So um, it's a monster and it, it, it knows only rage. 
and that's what we experience. But you're right. I mean, the movie doesn't strive strive for more than that, though. I mean, I I think, and I think the the script is appropriately cheesy in in that you know the you know we always joke about horror movies where stupid kids go down into cellars and this is exactly what happens in this movie stupid people doing stupid things and without any real um survival instinct oh yes he is holding up to his screen saying i can't read what you're saying the the plot is super contrived yeah it's it's and and stupid people doing stupid things. Oh, no, yeah, 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 yeah. You have <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, it really is. I just um I don't know, it felt like a waste of Idris Alba as well. I don't there's this kind of whole ethereal angle I think they're trying to pull with, you know, the fact that he's with his daughters and there was a bitter divorce with his wife and but it didn't lead to anything. I, I don't know if she was like giving him guidance from beyond or it just, there was so much mixed up in here. And a little bit I just, of family drama, just, sure, to, just, just sure. because you I can't. just, I found the whole thing because so you, dull. Because you can't have a protagonist who just wants to be a protagonist, right? He right. has to have a backstory. He had like ever since gravity or whatever, you have to have some horrible death that's happening or a daughter or a children. Some or grief whatever. you're dealing some with. Yeah. Baggage. Well, there has to be some baggage and it's, it's remarkably uh, poor script. At one point, somebody actually <laughs> says, uh, well, lions don't actually behave like this, but this one has gone rogue. So that's the get out of jail free card. It's like we, this lion is not going to behave like anything you ever know a big cat to behave like, but there he's gone rogue. So, you know, everything's <laughs> all bets are off. And, and like you, Joe, I felt like if you are so stupid as to do what you do in a given situation, then I'm sorry, you deserve the fate that befalls you. Right. I was like, fine, you should all get eat. If you get out of a Jeep while a lion is around ready to eat you, well, fine, you should get eaten. <laughs> yeah, and and that that's exactly right. I mean, I think it, 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 it dispenses with logic uh, and human logical and logical human behavior in order to create the situation where the person is exposed to the monster and there are things here that nobody would do i mean you know i'm not getting out of a jeep that's falling down the side of a cliff uh you know to escape because when there's a monster roaming around right i mean i'm just you know there are there are just those silly moments and right when when you go to a village and everyone's been eaten by a lion get the hell out of there don't <laughs> go back and try and find someone or make a call or just get or why out why would you leave every door open in uh, when you when you go into a building that could provide you with a, you know some kind of a buffer between you and the lion why would you leave every single door open uh, yeah. and then and then of all things separate <laughs> you know yeah. so of course it, but it's it's you know it's a monster movie yeah yeah, I can, I can wind this one up unless you guys have any I think any you're done with it, aren't you? I can so see it in your face. It. Rashmi's face has got complete disgust. <laughs> I'm just like, I don't even want to talk about this anymore. I know. Beastly, three out of ten. Ow! Come on. Not three. Really? <laughs> it's fun. No. <laughs> just don't waste your time. I mean, it's an hour and 33 minutes. Don't waste your time. Um. I, I liked it. It's very pulpy and silly, and it's 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 perfect for a particular time um, when you want a stupid and pulpy movie and you want to shut off your brain. 
I give it a six out of ten, which might be a little bit generous, but <clears throat> the movie did genuinely scare me. There were parts when I, like I said, I closed my eyes and I was really afraid of what was going to happen next. Having said that, of course, there's the movie's chock full of contrivances. Poor Shalto um, Copley, we didn't talk about him. He is such a plot device. He's the person who is explaining everything. I felt bad for him because he was like a paper cutout of a character. And, you know, things happen like where he's stuck, uh, not sh- yeah, he's stuck in a tree and there are poachers and there's the lion. And then as if that wasn't enough, a snake comes along. It's like, come on. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, six out of 10. It's that movie. Yeah. Another six from me. Um, it's, it, it does what it sets out to, to do. And I don't think it's set out to do any of the things that we want to, it to do. There's a great movie from a couple of years ago, The Shallows, with yes. uh, what's her name? Mm-hmm. Blake Lively. Thank you. Blake I always Lively. forget her name, but I think Such she's amazing. An excellent movie. But the yeah, the movie is a similar premise, and there is just so much more of a. Um, there's there's just that man versus a much, animal, a much more intelligent right? yeah. kind of war of wills at play in that one. Whereas here we just have angry lion. It's just Elba trying to protect and stupid family daughters. Yeah. So, um, yeah, but it's okay. It does what it, it, it does what it set out to do. I don't, I don't hold anything against it. It was not trying to, they're not making an Oscar play with this. Right? No, I know. I, know. <laughs> so. I expect more from Idris Elba. <laughs> All right. Um, we, we should move on. Cause I imagine the next two movies are, are, are present them. We'll, we'll, we'll present with quite a lot to talk about. So, um, should we do them in the order we we said? Three thousand years of longing would that would be next, followed by honk for Jesus, save your soul. So Yazdi, tell us all about three thousand years of longing. Yeah, so the veritable Australian director George Miller, who made his first movie, which was this little movie nobody saw called um, what was it called? Mad Max, I think. Uh, <laughs> he, so he made that movie in 1975. And now he is in the fifth decade of his filmmaking career, making his latest movie, which is uh, 3000 Years of Longing. And just to remind everybody, you know, we think, I think of him as the Mad Max director. And most recently he made Mad Max Fury Road. But everybody should be reminded, he also made The Witches of Eastwick. He made Babe, Pig in the City. He made Happy Feet 1 and 2. So he he is pretty, uh, you know, versatile when it comes to his choice of movies. And uh, 3,000 Years of Longing is his latest movie. It's an adaptation of a short story by the very respected uh, British author A.S. Byatt. And the name of the short story is The Djinn in the Nightingale's Eye. And uh, here, George Miller is playing once again with his, you know, all of his movies are about belonging and fantasy and um, trying to survive in a bad environment. And um, uh, this movie is about a lonely scholar played by Tilda Swinton, who on a trip to Istanbul discovers a djinn who offers her three wishes in exchange for his freedom. Said djinn is played by none other than Idris Elba. Again. And... uh, Again, yes. Uh, second, second Idris Elba movie released in the same week. It's uh, Feast or Famine. And uh, the writers of the movie are George Miller, Augusta Gore, and A.S. Byatt, who wrote the film. So what do you guys think of 3,000 Years of Longing? I think this is a very particular film. What did you guys think about it? In oh, particular? my God. Either I am in a bad mood this week and... Um not responding well to these movies or Idris Elba is having a bad, bad time and taking anything he can get. Um, I didn't dislike this one as much as Beast. 
Um, and I compare it because we saw it in the same week and it's Idris Alba. But I didn't understand this movie. I feel like it's Aladdin 2022, somewhat more serious. And I don't know if it's a psychotic episode that we're watching or whether it's trying to tell us something different and give us a message, but a message not received. And I think the trouble I had with it was I couldn't figure out whose story it was. It was so mixed and it almost played like, um, you know, the Arabian Nights, Scheherazade. It, it kind of wanted to have that theme, but then it was set in modern time. And I just couldn't grab onto either of the characters to like or, or care about. Um, I had a lot of problems with this movie. And I like, this is the type of movie I like. I like this fantasy you know, 1001 Arabian Nights. I love this stuff and it did not work for me at all. Joe? George Miller's kind of an interesting director for me because, you know, as much as I, I want to love the Mad Max movies, especially the original ones, uh, I, I like them, but I don't love them and they're, they're kind of my stuff, right? Action scenes. I had a real problem with Fury Road a couple of years ago until I got to watch it in a home environment and then unpacked its secrets. And since then, it has risen to, to possibly, you know, one of my top 10 favorite movies of all time. I'm, I'm in absolute love with Fury Road. So I, I came to this with, with some trepidation. Um, and um, here's what I'll say. Um, it's incredibly visually sumptuously beautifully directed and it's really stuck with me i'm i'm thinking you know second to top gun this is possibly my favorite movie of the year so far what it's it's it was just it was it was spectacular and it's it's all done in the visual style but it, it's it's just so cleverly assembled i don't know why it had a real effect on me um i, I really enjoyed the way that it, it told its story there are little segues here that you know entire movie sets and and um it, you know entire movies and worlds that are kind of crafted yeah, in, are in rabbit almost, holes. yeah and 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 just the way it kind of all fits together i i was just mesmerized from start to finish i can't wait to see it again and honestly i'm i'm feeling like this is this is possibly it's it's going to be my top five for the year for sure i i love this movie <laughs> i know i'm blown away i know i this know this is like fantasy i know weird i know oh my this, god this, this this won't work for me but yeah. here this material just somehow okay works. yasdi come on i'm dying to hear what you thought i i'll say the same thing i said before it's a very particular movie and it has a very particular um I haven't seen a movie like this before, which is trying to do the things it's doing. Right. And I don't think I don't think it pulls it off 10 out of 10 times. I think it pulls it off 8 out of 10 times. Uh, and I was with the movie all through until the last 15 minutes or so when the movie, it, I love the ending, don't get me wrong, but the movie kind of makes a turn for a very different tone which kind of lets the steam out of it a little bit, I think. But I, I totally see what they were doing. I think I think it's the structure of the movie which is going to give everybody trouble. Um, but I think I think the callback to Sherazad and Arabian Nights mm -hmm. is not is not by chance. It's very deliberate. The, the very the very plane on which we first see Tilda Swinton flying into Turkey is called Sherazad Airlines. I mean, so so he they's completely acknowledging that this is a story. 
about you know hearkening back to those old arabian nights and i i kind of enjoyed like you said joe every little you know the 3000 years during which the jinn has lived like the vignettes life. and the vignettes yeah because they were like they were not so real that they looked like like exactly like how it might have been but it has an element of fantasy and comic book glean to them the way they have mm-hmm. been done and i think george miller cannot make a shoddy looking movie if he tried and i think that's you know there is something to be said for somebody who's been making movies for 50 years they know what they're doing mm-hmm. so f- i completely agree with you visually it's wonderful and i like that both of the characters that the two lead characters are a little bit unknowable and they're both kind of it's almost like a dance they're both kind of playing around each other um i also like the fact that because she plays a writer who specializes in stories and the telling of stories that when the jinn first appears she has no disbelief she really she just it's a matter of fact oh here's a jinn in my hotel room and it's a funny thing to say it almost reminded me of you know good luck to you leo grande which is also <laughs> about two mm. people in a hotel in a hotel room for most of the time and they're trying to kind of figure each other out so um it's very unusual it's not what i expected at all but but what it is like you jo i've been thinking about it and thinking about it and i'm kind of getting to love where it's headed to eventually which is a very interesting existential place about what it means to be human yes. what it means to want something what it means to to be happy with what you're not ha- what you don't have and so forth so it did it it does kind of tap into all of those things for me I think I must have watched a completely different movie. So I I also found Tilda Swinton's accent so strange. Yeah, it wasn't Scottish. It was um, kind of a Yorkshire accent. Very strange. I don't know why they gave her that. She had a very particular look to her that made it almost look like a librarian. I felt like the vignettes were very leery of women. There was a very strange, and that's a maybe a George Miller issue, right? He looks mm-hmm. through the lens very hungrily at women, and I didn't care for that. Um, I just feel like, I, again, I couldn't connect with um, whose arc we're watching. I couldn't connect with where is this going? Tilda Swinton is such a confident character, and yet by the end of the movie who seems very happy being independent and yet by the end of the movie she's almost succumb to wanting company in some way i don't know it just it, it felt very disconnected to me yeah well i mean there's a truth to that i mean i think and and i i very quickly realized um and the movie very quickly showed its hand in that um It, it, this this is not conventional right these things appear as apparitions at first there's some kind of connection between her and this otherworldly uh, presence that she has because she's this expert on story and storytelling or, or is she a but, rebirth of one of those characters right well, that's what i was kind of but thinking what what i'm saying is that it, it, when that first happens you have a choice to make mentally and it's like either mm-hmm. you know where this is going or you just have to sit back and succumb to it and i think i i chose the latter and then nothing the movie did bothered me um i just accepted its flow and ended up in this almost um i know this sounds really spiritual but it's i ended up in this kind of uh 
trance-like state enjoying where this movie just took me and what mm -hmm. I was looking at and seeing its flow it's breathtakingly original I can't remember seeing anything else that's as visual in its storytelling that isn't a, an all-out action movie um, so it just kind of clicked for me and I again I accepted its its segues there's little throwaway lines of dialogue like you know how was it being trapped in the model when he, you know, then he says something like, well, for the first 100 years and immediately my, my, there's some kind of yeah, in, that was inner powerful. terror for me, which just made me think, gosh, I can't imagine being trapped in a bottle for 10 minutes or one hour. And suddenly my mind goes. To, so all of these little moments hit me quite hard, which was interesting. I wasn't expecting that either. And uh, again, it, it's just, it's, it's, breathtaking originality is the way that I kind of came out was like wow that that really worked yeah and I think the other I, piece I'm sorry yes I was just going to say the other piece that irritated me was that for a story that's about storytelling it just it's again I just couldn't it didn't tell a a linear story of it, it was playing with time in very strange ways that I couldn't quite grab onto yeah I you know, you ask the question whose story it is. I yeah. think depending on what day of the week you watch, you might say either it's his story or her story. Right. I think it's her I think it's her story through and through. And, you know, her whole interaction with the jinn begins with her seeing these apparitions. Yeah. Right? She starts seeing these strange people who seem to be from another world yeah. around her contemporary life. And there is one possible interpretation of this is that she's just losing it, that she yeah. imagined right. this whole thing mm -hmm. because she's a teller of stories and she imagined this whole thing precisely because, Rashmi, because she is fiercely independent, but she also wants companionship. Those two are not mutually exclusive. Mm -hmm. And she, maybe she talks herself through this ideal situation where she gets to that place. So one possible interpretation for me is she imagined the whole thing, which is a dumb thing. But um, I like that she goes through this transformation. And I like that the movie is structurally, again, like nothing, like you said, it's so original, like nothing I've seen before. You can't, you can't really identify the beats. Like what song is it playing through the whole movie? And then at the end, you kind of have to figure out of all the tunes you've heard, what kind of symphony is it? Or is it just discordant noise? Um, but yeah, it, it has stuck with me. And I, 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 like, I, I like both of their, like, you know, she resolutely refuses uh, to have any wishes because she's so fiercely independent. She's like, I have everything. I don't need anything. And it becomes an issue for the jinn because the jinn is like you don't understand unless i grant you wishes then i am stuck in limbo mm -hmm. so I, I i love all these metaphysical existential kind of questions it asks and like i said my only complaint about the movie and it's my problem is that the movie has such a good pacing with all these stories we see harking back to a thousand years then 500 years ago that it kind of builds a gallop and by virtue of how it ends it kind of diffuses a little bit but but maybe the more i think about it that's to the film's merit hmm. so i so to wrap up i would give this an eight out of ten it's not for everyone but i think this movie might surprise you um it it surprised me for sure and again yeah i i, I agree that it's if i mean if you go in and watch it saying okay it's a george miller movie it's going to be like mad max it has idris elba it has tilda swinton you have a particular expectation and the movie is nothing like that expectation 
Yeah. Joe? Yeah, I, I can't. And this is a little bit frustrating for me as we're trying to talk through uh, our responses and our thoughts of this movie. I can't quite mm-hmm. unpack how I feel about this other than um, I was absolutely mesmerized and almost um, intoxicated by its its storytelling and it and, and what it was. Um, it you know feels like kind of a, a, a strange LSD trip kind of thing. It's it's <laughs> but it was also very a very enjoyable, comforting, um, slightly bonkers experience. And I, again, I, I, I don't think I've seen anything that that's quite worked as well for me um, uh, this year. I mean, everything, everywhere, all at once is, you know, kind of similarly kind of visually bonkers and, and brave and bold and, and original. Um, this just feels like a step up from that in um, how handsomely well-crafted it is. So it's a long summary there, but... That I'm trying to justify why I'm giving it a nine uh, because I don't understand it, but I, I loved it. I really did. Well, listening to you has made me see a little bit more, I think, about it. Um, so I'm going to add it. You, you've made me add one more to my score, which is um, uh, six out of ten. So I'm not longing to see this one again. <laughs> um, I'll certainly wait 3,000 years to watch it again. Um, yeah, six out of ten from me. All right, we have to to get moving, so we're going to move quickly. I was just going to say this might be one of our most uh, varied, uh, a six, an eight, and a nine. So folks need to watch this and figure out. Yeah, make your own minds up. Send us what you thought. It's not often, I think, that I'm I'm opposite to to you on something, a material like this. Hmm. Okay, um, movie number three then. Um, Honk for Jesus, Save Your Soul. Yep, so this is a satirical comedy starring Regina Hall as Trinity Charles, the proud first lady of a Southern Baptist megachurch, who together with her husband, Pastor Lee Curtis Charles, who's played by Sterling K. Brown, once served a congregation in the tens of thousands. But after a scandal forces their church to temporarily close, Trinity and Lee Curtis must reopen their church and rebuild their congregation to make the biggest church comeback that commodified religion has ever seen. So this is um, directed and produced by Adama Ebo, and it's written by Adama Ebo as well, and it stars Regina Hall, Sterling K. Brown, and a whole host of others. Um, So, Yazdi, why don't you start us off on this? Um, Is your soul saved? Yes, it is. I... uh, (laughs) um, I heard a little bit of an inkling of this movie making a big, uh, making a big uh, splash when I think it released at, at Sundance or, or it was shown at Sundance earlier this year. But I think this movie otherwise just came out of nowhere. I, you know, I didn't know much about it when I sat down to watch it. And this movie is all about the tone, right? It's all about the tone. It's a mockumentary. It's uh, it's a mockumentary which eventually moves into kind of drama territory. And I think most people who will have a trouble have will have trouble with this movie will have trouble with the with whether the movie sustains its tone. I think it's exceptionally clever. I think it's you know it's very you know making fun of the evangelical right is a you know low-hanging fruit. You know, any one of us can write a script, mm-hmm. you know, any any day to kind of mock them. But this movie does it in a pretty knowing way it still goes after the same targets i mean look the the two main leads in the movie are for me stand-ins of 
you know, for Joel Austin or for Jim Baker and Tammy Faye, you know, who had their whole big mega church in Texas and, you know, they had planes and Gucci's and, you know, expensive jewelry, all, all purchased from, you know, the money that they got from people who came to their church. So it is a satire, but I think it's pretty clever because it could have just been a 10 minute SNL skit, but it's a, for me, it sustained that mockumentary through the very end and it, it got increasingly sharper and sharper as it went along. I love this. Yep. Joe. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I agree with everything you said there yesterday. I think the the thing that I struggle with is I don't know who the target audience for this is because it's entirely, it, it starts off almost like a, a religious version of The Office with its handheld camera and this kind of fly-on-the-wall mm-hmm. setup. Um, but it, it, it goes incredibly... Uh, deep into some of the the things that it's trying to say about religion and uh, organized religion and and the people who lead these evangelical. So, yeah, it it should be funnier in in the sense of um, it. If it was an SNL skit, I was expecting more one liners and punchlines. But you know, th- there were a couple of laugh at moments, but really the rest of it was was thought provoking satire and. Um, it's very brave and bold, and it's bold in particular because it 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 doesn't you know it it I, I'll play the you know the, the race card you know, by by using a black church mm-hmm. a, a Baptist black church as a setting for this. It also starts to speak to things that we don't see mocked as much, right? We always think of the you know the the cheesy Elvis style evangelical preachers, um, but we don't always think that this you know we don't always see this within the the black community in the black baptist church so again has a lot of things there that left me puzzled at who it's aiming at and um i don't know that this movie is going to do very well you know it's it's it seems it's not a comedy that people will will pass around but i think um i don't know it's it's a it's a tough one brilliant I love this movie so much. This is right up my street. I love satire. And I think it's a dramedy, not a comedy. It's not an all-out comedy Mm -hmm. at all. It is clever and smart. And the reason it's incredible is Regina Hall. Let's just, I mean, I would write write Mm -hmm. an Oscar nomination for Regina Hall right now. There are so many, I I agree with everything the two of you said, so I won't repeat it. Um, There are so many, moments in this movie where I wanted to where I wish I was watching it and I would rewind the the remote control I would use the remote control and go back 10 seconds just to watch her reaction her reactions are note perfect and often it's when she's not even the primary person in the screen in on the screen she's reacting to things happening around her and it's beautiful and I think um it's 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 cleverness is because it's saying here's here's the travesty right here's the travesty and the bad sides of organized religion but at the same time it's doing something very clever which is look at the people that derive a lot of comfort and why they derive a lot of comfort from organized religion so i don't think it's all an all out saying religion is bad or organized religion is bad i think it's just saying let's just look at organized religion through a number of lenses but let's look at how easily the wool is pulled over people's eyes and what's really going on behind the scenes. So I love the 
um, the plot device of the mockumentary camera um, because that's really us looking in, right? It's it's us observing these two people um, and their journeys, and it's just fantastic. And I love how it it really cha- it really plays with your bias. The the event that's happened, we don't know what that event actually is, but I thought it was something else. And then I was kind of the twist, and I won't say what it is. Um, that twist is excellent. I've never seen that done before. It's it's so good. It's so good. And Sterling K. Brown, I think, is he's a bit of a caricature, but it's worth watching this just for Regina Hall's performance. It's phenomenal. I, I love yeah, this Joe, movie. You, yeah, Joe, you asked, who is this movie for? And I know this is not a political podcast, but I think this movie is for everyone who is a little tired with the hypocrisy of the far right, where they claim to be about helping people and being poor and being humble and being, you know, all about the common man. And yet, whether it be Trump or whether it be a mega church, they pray to somebody of extreme opulence. And and the hypocrisy of what they're doing is not evident to them. So I think for me, this is a very angry movie. It 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 doesn't show it doesn't show itself as being angry. But by virtue of how it's revealing things, it, it is saying that why is this acceptable? Why in a country like ours is it acceptable to have, you know, the ordained pastor of a super church to have, you know, a jet plane, which the people have paid for, or to have, you know, 10 Gucci, you know, suits to pick from when the common person doesn't even know what Gucci is. So I think, I think, I know, I mean, for me, it's very clear who it is for. And I think it's for everybody who is kind of uh, a little upset by the hypocrisy, but, but setting the politics aside, I would co-sign, you know, I think we are going to hear about this movie as small as it is come Oscar time. Because mm-hmm. uh, like you, I agree with everything you said about Regina King. She's just... Um, sorry, Regina King. I kept calling Regi- her Regina Hall. Oh, it is Regina Hall. It not is Regina, Regina Hall. King. Sorry, I said Regina Yazdi. King. Yeah. <laughs> sorry, Regina Hall. And she is, yeah, she's a study. She's a textbook study. And I mean, and I would say Sterling K. Brown matches her beat for beat. I mean... They're both kind of caricatures, but mm-hmm. I think they both humanize them, especially towards the end. And they take these roles and just chomp the light up, life out of them. They are having a great time. Um, I don't know if they will get roles as delicious as this again. So they're making the most of it. Um, and, you know, if if last year Jessica Chastain got a Best Actress Oscar for playing, you know, Tammy Faye Baker, then I don't know why Regina King should be denied oh. of this. And not, not, yeah, not by virtue of comparison even. I think Regina Hall, sorry, uh, Regina Hall is exceptionally good, far better than that. And, you know, there's a wonderful scene uh, of a rehearsal uh, in, a, in a church right before the event, which could just be Oscar clips for both of yeah, them right there. Yeah, I agree. So, agree. Yeah, so I, I just love this film so much. Yeah. I mean, I can wrap this one up. I know we're short for time, unfortunately. My soul no, was no, definitely... Going, it's fine. My, my soul ahead. was definitely saved. I'm giving this a nine. I love this movie so much. This is my nine out of ten. It's so clever. It's so clever. What a great wardrobe, too. I kept looking at the wardrobe. <laughs> oh, my God. I would buy all that stuff that Regina Hall wears. She's yeah. just perfect. The production is so good. Like, the way they've created their home and the church and what's in there and when the camera's on and when the camera's off and when they want the camera to be on and off. And just those... It's so, 
it's the little subtleties that just add up to so much. The scene when she's actually just on the on the side of the road holding the sign up, the banner up that says Honk for Jesus, mm-hmm. and she's dancing and you see her back. It's not even a, a, a full-on watching her face. Just her, her she's, a, she's masterful. Yeah. I mean, everything you've said about the performance here is, is, um, is highly memorable. And it was emotionally affecting, given that yeah. we were in a comedy. Um, she, she, I don't she, think it's a comedy. Sure, but I mean, I guess it's billed here as, 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 as a comedy. Um, and that's why I struggle with, with, you know, its classification in some ways, because I don't, it, it starts off a little um, potentially, you know, that it could go down a slapstick road uh, and then it ends in a very different place. So, yeah, very, very... Um, very challenging, pondersome movie. I I struggle with who I would recommend it to, and I'll, I'll be honest with that. I don't know that it's funny enough for people, you know, to, to kind of say, oh, yeah, you've got to see that one. It's hilarious. Um, you know, I know a lot, a lot of people who it would certainly offend. Um, I would never not recommend a movie for that, but I, I think, you know, that that's that's just fact of life. But, yeah, I'm going to give it an 8 out of 10, and it's, it's, a, it's a generous 8 for me, um, only because I think, you have to watch it for the performance and yeah, having grown up in the, within the Christian faith, um, it points out so many of the things that I found to be hypocritical about that going, growing up. So, um, yeah, good stuff. Yes, D. Yeah. Look, this is a small movie from a first term writer and director. Her name is Adama Obo, um, Adamo Ibo. And I cannot wait to see what they do next because this is such an assured writing, directing, uh, all of it. And and look, as small as this movie is, its producers are Daniel Kalua, mm-hmm. Jordan Peele. Jordan Peele is a producer on this and both Regina Hall and Sterling K. Brown are putting their money's worth by being producers as well. I think this is a small movie which will not be forgotten. I hope I'm right. And I think... Me too. I, I hope... I hope it continues to be talked about and I hope people reach it out. I would recommend it to everyone. Even if you're part of even if you're part part of the far right, you need to watch this to see if it if some of this is real or not or if it's all cheap shots. And uh, I also like the movie that I also like the fact that this movie is not afraid to go into pretty uncomfortable territory. There are some scenes which are very, very uncomfortable and awkward. You're like you you cannot bear to watch people kind of humiliate themselves. Yes. Um, and the last 10 minutes of the movie just go into the absolute absurd. Again, in the level of that humiliation, it goes to an absurd point, which I think kind of is telling you is this is no less absurd than what's actually happening in reality. So I have drunk the Kool-Aid on this. I think this is a brilliant film. I was going to give it an eight and a half, but I'm going to bump it up to a nine because I think of a little, yeah, because a little movie like this, which, you know, is sharp and biting and stands up and says, come on, people, look at your hypocrisy. I think we shouldn't forget it. I think we should celebrate it. Yeah. And we haven't even talked about Confidence and Nicole Bahari, who play like this, um, this kind of up and coming ministers and how great that performance is. And so it becomes even more about like relationships and desires and wants and um, it's not just about the hypocrisy of the church and organized religion. It's actually about people living their lives and knowing what's bad for them, yet 
yet wanting something bigger and knowing that you have to sacrifice something to get to the place that you want to go to and what you have to give up in order to get there, right? It's kind of making deals with the devil almost. What are you willing yeah. to make a deal with to get to the place you want to go? That's the cleverness for me. It's mm-hmm. about in this, and I think the comedy, the comicalness is from the mega church aspect, but really the deepness is from what makes people tick, what their desires are, how much they want something, what it means to them, how far they're willing to go. That's the, that's the superiority of this movie. I love this movie. Wow. Yeah, I think initially I was led to movie, led to believe while I was watching the movie that uh, the movie is kind of sympathetic to the Regina Hall character, uh, that she kind of similar to Tammy Faye, yes. that she kind of went went along for the ride, but really the, the the mastermind was, you know, the husband of the you know the pastor of the megachurch. But the movie makes it very clear that she is as complicit. I mean, she at one point says, "I need you to do this and get back because." I need to get back on the stage. So she is hungry for it. Maybe not to the same extent as her husband, but she is very complicit. Nobody's forcing her to do what she's doing. So it's fantastic in terms of how it's, you know, pointing fingers at everyone. It's not letting anyone yeah, off the hook, yeah. in- including the followers, yeah, for sure. Yeah, which are yeah. hilarious. I mean, those are hilarious. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. Good stuff. Yeah. Good stuff. People, watch Honk for Jesus. Yeah, save your soul. Save your soul. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and with that, uh, I'm going to have to bring us to a fairly abrupt close today because of curfews and times, and Rashmi's off to do different things, Yasti too. So, um, thank you both for giving up your Sunday. Thank you, everyone, for listening to Moviewalas. We appreciate you. Um, until our next podcast, it's too many movies, too little time. A goodbye from me. And me. And me as well. <laughs> <laughs>